Oh Lord, we thank you that because you live, you have been raised to life. You have won the victory over death. There is no more sting of death in our life. And we have freedom. We have love. We have life because of what you have won for us. So Lord, as we come now to a time of communion, help us to again reflect on what you've come to do that you would love us so much that you would empty yourself and humble yourself and become one of us, enter our world, take on our sin, that you might deal with it once and for all. And having dealt with it, give us new life in you and that your spirit comes to live in us forever until you come again. And we declare that now in this meal as we share together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Just it's an amazing thing that the this is a meal that the Lord instituted. Uh, he calls his disciples there on that that supper, but also each and every one of us to participate in this meal because it reminds us of what he has done for us. It reminds us of the gospel. In fact, Jesus said, do it again, do it until I come again, because as you do, you proclaim the Lord's death. And so this morning we are proclaiming the gospel in this meal together. We're proclaiming what he has done for us. We're proclaiming the, the new life that he's brought for us in his death and his resurrection. And so let's come and let's hear the Apostle Paul as he uh, writes these words of institution. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul says, Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so the uh, music team are going to play through that song, Living Hope, again, because I think those words just describe beautifully what Jesus has done for us. And as they they play that, I encourage you this side first um, to come out and to receive the bread and the wine. And when this side is done, this side can come. Please hold the bread and the cup as we eat as a family together.
Let's stand together. Lord, we've, we've sung this morning, we've prayed, we've acknowledged of your, your goodness, of your mercy, of your love. And Lord, we are just so grateful and reminded, which is what this meal does, it re- reminds us of how much you went through, the suffering, the pain, in order to bring us back into right relationship with you. And that wasn't anything of our doing. It was anything of our good works. It was all because of your mercy and grace. And so, Lord, we come to you today in great thankfulness and great, um, yeah, just thankfulness for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So take and eat the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is given for you. Take and drink his blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Thank you again, Lord. As we've just contemplated this morning, had time to reflect, we are so grateful. And we look forward to, Lord, for the fact that you are alive and here amongst us. You are not a God who's distant, a God who's dead, or a God who's made up by human hands, but you're alive, Jesus, and you're here. So come have your way amongst us right now this morning, Lord, we pray. We'd open up our hearts, that we'd listen to your voice, that we'd uh, be open to the work of your Spirit at work amongst us. So come, Lord Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. I'm going to invite Bev up. Thanks. What a beautiful time of communion. I don't want to change that atmosphere. I want to us to stay in that attitude of prayer and thankfulness to God. Last Thursday night in our prayer time, and we meet together every um, three, uh, third Thursday night um, of the month, I encourage so many of you um, who want prayer. It's amazing times how God speaks to us in those prayer times. And there was a statement that was made which rang a chord with me on Thursday night. It says, we live, Kathy said it, we live in an anxious world. And how true that is. Here we are in this beautiful atmosphere of sense of peace and the presence of God, but we live in an anxious world. So I'd like to centre our thoughts today on anxiety and our corporate prayer on that. Many of us... Uh, in our secular world, and even those of us who have faith, face issues, questions and uncertainty. And anxiety creeps in, doesn't it? We can all admit to that. We know that it does. For example, world of friends, countries we see competing each other 
uh, for prominence in the world. Economic uncertainty, cost of living stress, housing crisis, health issues, relationships that are under tension, changes in social and family structures, gender confusion and youth suicide. And you can name even more. Uh, there is a reason for genuine confusion and anxiety in our society. Today I want to pray the prayer um, which is uh, from Philippians 4, 6. So would you close your eyes as we pray this prayer together. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. As we stay in prayer with our eyes closed, I want to share with you a little prayer that a very dear friends of mine actually shared with me, taught me to quiet my anxious mind and also to pray in those times. Let's just breathe deeply. Breathe in. And then breathe out. It's a way of quietening our spirits. Breathe in and then breathe out. As you breathe in, say, thank you, Jesus. And as you breathe out, you are my peace. Let's do that together. Thank you, Jesus. You are my peace. Thank you, Jesus. You are my peace. Thank you, Jesus. You are my peace. And then finally, if you have a particular concern, when you pray this way, just put the appropriate word in instead of saying, Thank you, Jesus. You are my peace. Say, thank you, Jesus, you're my strength in this situation. Or, thank you, Jesus, you're my supply in this situation. Or, thank you, Jesus, you are my comfort. And finally, Father God, we bring to you anxious thoughts that crowd our minds. We ask for your solutions to secular issues, relationship issues, the need for healing in many situations and help us with the wisdom to handle in love the social and moral changes around us. We ask that parents, grandparents, children, employers, employees and those who are in all areas of the leadership but especially in our churches be given wisdom, courage and peace to see your answers in this world and to see your kingdom come. And finally, thank you, Jesus. You are our peace. Amen. Thank you, Bev. Um, 
I don't know if you know this, but pretty much every week I'm anxious about preaching. <laughs> I don't find it easy. It's not a natural gift. Um, and But I thank you, Lord, that he's my strength. Because uh, when I'm weak, he's strong. And if any of you ever feel blessed uh, through the words that I speak and the way that I preach, then all, all glory goes to him. Uh, because quite often I'm very anxious. <laughs> Uh, so thank you, Bev, for that reminder. That's beautiful. Uh, we've been focusing on thinking about uncovering uh, the nature of the kingdom of God um, over the last few months. And I was pondering this as I wanted to continue to share and speak into this subject matter. And I, I felt called to speak about living out our salvation in the kingdom of God uh, because it's good to talk about what the kingdom is, what Jesus won, how he reigns, but what does it actually mean to live as citizens? What does it mean to, to be called into the kingdom of the son that he loves? And um, so really part of that is understanding our salvation, understanding who we are in Christ and our standing before God in the kingdom. And so this morning really it's a sermon on the theme of sanctification, now, sanctification is a, uh, a theological word. It's not something that we talk about much uh, in our day-to-day conversations. The sanctification really is the way that we uh, gradually change, are transformed into Christ's likeness, how, how the Lord uh, transforms and does a work in us to grow us and to change us and to make us more holy. And that's a process that is ongoing and so that's what I want to talk about this morning. And it kind of ties in with a word I gave a couple of weeks ago uh, where I, I talked about how some of us are just comfortable with a, a general admission ticket to something, but God has the, the premium ticket for us. He has more for our lives. He wants to do things in us. He wants to continue to work in us. He wants to change us, transform us, grow us. And that's what sanctification is. Uh, but before we get to that, just uh, wondering if you can help me. Uh, does anyone know who this person is? It's okay. It's not a trick question. Yes, it's okay. Jesus. Yes, it's a, a very common and popular image of Jesus, isn't it? In fact, we have lots of images in our minds, whether it be artistic or uh, what people present as what uh, Jesus looked like. Um, uh, what Probably one of the, the famous depictions is... Uh, of Robert Powell from the Jesus movie. In fact, the director, when he was putting the the movie together, um, this guy, Robert, wasn't actually cast as Jesus, but he was cast as another person. And and the director was like, I actually see Jesus in this actor. And so he became the face of Jesus in that famous Jesus movie. Holman Hunt painted a very famous picture in the 19th century that went on a world tour and thousands of people flocked uh, to see this famous painting of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Um, and there's been all sorts of images of Jesus. There was a, a science, faith and Jesus um, conference in which uh, someone made barcode Jesus. So that's uh, a lot of barcodes put together uh, to talk about how Jesus is in our technology and in our, in our world. Uh, 
someone felt like Jesus is often seen as the one who's weeping and, you know, who's, who's, who's just, you know, looking after us. And, but surely Jesus was human and he laughed. And I wonder if this is Jesus laughing at one of his uh, sermons or something. Uh, it was, you know, it's something that we don't normally think about. Uh, I came across this one, which was uh, the, the revolutionary Jesus. <laughs> Reminds you of, uh, um, uh, yeah, Che, che Gravera. There you go. Um, and this was made to encourage people to come to uh, an Easter service. So they, there you go. But um, so there's all these sorts of pictures of Jesus in our in our world. But I wonder if uh, you could help me. Does anyone know who this is? Jesus. Oh God! Yeah, you <laughs> stole my thunder. Uh, back in uh, two, uh, 1999, I think it was no 2001, the BBC put together a documentary series called The Son of Man, and they had a whole heap of experts who used archaeological facts and medical history um, and all the sort of scientific things around the time of Jesus and, and what Jesus was probably looked like. And it's probably shocking for some because we like to have a particular image in our minds of what Jesus looked like. Uh, but this is probably more of a historical um, picture of, of Jesus. And I start like that because in the same way that we have in our minds certain images and understandings, um, sometimes those things need to be questioned or brought into line with actually what is what is true and what is real. So in the same way that we might have a, an image of what Jesus looked like, actually what he did look like might be slightly different. And it's the same with all sorts of areas of our Christian lives. Uh, we come with all sorts of understandings, all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of images, all sorts of truth about all sorts of aspects of our lives. And I think one of those is, is what salvation is. What is actual salvation? Because we might have a, a picture or an image about what that looks like and how that works, but is that actually the biblical understanding? Is that actually what we know to be true and real? And so we have, as Bev um, painted out in her prayer, we have a problem in the world, and it's a problem that has been ongoing since the, since the fall, and that is it is a human problem. The problem is how do we get good people? How do we get good people? Because if we look around us, there's so much strife, there's so much greed, there's so much malice, there's so much anger. Just look at the way our you know, political parties uh, act towards each other. They're, they're there to govern, they're there to provide for the people, and yet their whole time is spent arguing and anger and, and at each other. And it's not just a Christian issue. It's a, it's a worldwide issue throughout all cultures, throughout all time. How do we get good people? It's a human problem. And the answer is, well, the, the problem is this strife comes from the heart comes from the human heart. Uh, the Bible says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I think we can, we can add to that and say, well, out of the heart, the finger points. Out of the heart, the, the fist punches. <laughs> out of the heart, the human turns their back. 
So it's the, it's the heart, the unsaved human heart that is a problem uh, in our world. And so what is, what is the answer to this problem? Well, we know that as Christians, Jesus came, we just uh, had a meal about it, came to save us, to bring us salvation. And this salvation is uh, one in, on the cross through Christ. And when we put our faith and our hope in Jesus, he saves us from ourselves. And he gives us a new life as he comes to live inside us. But we often use this phrase, are you saved? It's a very Christian term, isn't it? Uh, it, it goes around, are you saved? Now, what, what are we actually meaning when we say, are you saved? I think most of us have, are coming from perhaps a shrunken idea of salvation where we're just talking about our souls, that Jesus has come and he has saved our soul. And we, we sing the song and that, that is true. That is really only one part of what Jesus has won for us. So there's probably, you know, if, if, if Jesus is being saved is just a ticket to heaven, then what do we do with the rest of our lives? If we are just waiting around on this earth for Jesus to come back to, to finally consummate his kingdom coming, then what is the rest of this life about? He's saved us. Now we just sit under a tree, sing some songs, and wait until the glorious day that he, he comes back. Now Jesus in his salvation and his work is so much more than just a ticket to heaven and just saving our souls. He's actually saved all of our lives, every part of it, every component of it. He saved our, our minds. He saved our bodies. He saved our heart. And so I, wanna, I, I was reading Dallas Willard this week. Um, Mike put me on to him, got me thinking about it, and I was just reading Dallas Willard, and I came across this really interesting question that he asked because he was talking about this, this notion of um, salvation, just a ticket to heaven. And he said, well, if that's the case, I wonder for many of us if when we get to heaven we'll enjoy it. Interesting question to ask because in heaven there's you know there's no there's no precincts to to window shop about the latest fashion or the gadgets to get into. There's going to be no sports fields to idolise our heroes, no computer game alleys to spend our time with, no conference centre to talk about growing our superannuation and our nest egg. And possibly, I'm not sure about this one. I'm still weighing it up. Maybe there's no Bunnings. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I just have to search the scriptures on that one. I'll throw that one in there because you might think I'm having a go at you, but you know, I have to throw in something that's important to me as well, um, and that often comes up, Bunnings. So, if <laughs> when we get to heaven, are we? Go- and and I, that might sound funny, and it might sound strange to ask, but really, what I'm saying is. Unless our life right here and right now is caught up in the things of God, unless our lives right now are lived out in close relationship with Christ, unless our lives right here and right now are in step with the Spirit, we're going to get confused when we get to heaven because that's what all of eternity is going to be. 
some I've heard say, I'm not really a worship person. Now, I'm, I'm more of a sermon sort of a guy. I just skip the worship and then I just can't wait to get into the Word. Well, I've got news for you. Uh, according to my reading of Scripture, there's going to be a lot of singing. There's going to be a lot of singing. And so unless you're really close to God now, you're not going to really miss him when you get there. You see, the answer to the human problem isn't just saving our souls, but it is to spiritually grow people in order that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. This is what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. This is, this is if we get this, we, we understand what life is all about. And I think we love the notion and the idea of loving God with our soul because we are so grateful that he has saved us, that he has won the victory on the cross, that he has shed his blood for us. But have we ever contemplated what it means to love God with all of our mind, to love God with our thoughts, with what we align ourselves to, with what we think about? What about loving God with all our strength, the way that we work out what we do, the way that we live out this faith life? And, of course, most importantly, what does it mean to love God with all of our hearts? Do I give over my heart to you? Do I surrender the things that I think about, the things that I desire? Are those things in line with what he has for my life? So the answer is to be saved and to, to go on be being saved, to being sanctified. Uh, Paul talks a lot, a lot about salvation, uh, particularly in Romans. Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter 5 are big chapters on the notion of salvation. And in, in, in Romans, um, actually it's Romans 5, not Romans 8, sorry. Romans 5, 9 to 10 He says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, this is grace, people, (laughs) while we had our backs turned against God, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. That is the work of the cross. That is what he he has done for us. It is a given. It is It is been done. But then Paul goes on to say, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? What what Paul is, is painting a picture of here is that the cross is a beautiful thing. And and it is at the cross that Jesus died and reconciled us. He justified us. He took away the gap that separated us from him. And he has brought us into right relationship with him. That's what the cross has done. But, you know, what we don't live at the cross. We live in the resurrected life. Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive and he has come to make his dwelling amongst us. And Jesus' life, as he continues to live, does amazing continued work in us and through us. And Jesus changes us as he comes to do a work inside of us. So it is the the power of the resurrection 
that gives us a full salvation, how much more can we be saved through his life? And so Jesus' life saves all of us from being lost, not just the little Christian component, not just the Sunday morning part, but every single part of our lives, all of our desires, he heals us, he uh, aligns us with his, his perfect truth. And this is the work of sanctification. We have um, the, the, the Bible talks about this, that we are being conformed into Jesus' likeness. Day by day, this is the work of the Spirit in us. And so we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, as we think about it, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed into his image And in Romans it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now when when Paul and, and others talk about that, they're not talking about being conformed to this. We don't just become like Jesus as in our appearance. Of course, what they're talking about when they say image is that we are conformed, we are transformed into the way Jesus thinks into the way Jesus lived, into the way Jesus lived out his life and dealt with people, in the way Jesus loved. That's what what God is doing in us. And so how do we grow in our spiritual lives? How do we make good people? We we get saved, (laughs) but then there's this ongoing work. Because I don't know about you, but in, in my life, particularly in my young years, I would really struggle with asking the question, am I really saved? Because I keep doing these stupid things. Have you ever thought that? Oh, I've given my life to Jesus. I've stuffed up. Surely I shouldn't stuff up if I'm saved. This is the work of God's continuing grace in our lives as he works in those stuffed upness moments. He transforms us. He, he takes those habits, he takes those uh, addictions, he takes those fantasies, he takes those ideologies and he transforms them into his image. He aligns us to him. And so we, we align ourselves to Christ and you know what the, biggest, the, the devil's biggest thing is? to get us off track from that alignment. Did he really say live like that? Yes, he did. Did he really say this? And we can so easily listen to the voice of society, to the voice of the world saying, this is what truth is, this is what reality is, and and forget, no, we're being transformed into his likeness, aligning ourselves to that of Christ. And he does a work in us. Many of you know that I um, was in a punk band in my, my early days as a young Christian. And 
um, now that we've moved further away from, from church, I've got a lot of time in the car, so I use the time for podcasts and, and listening to the Word. But sometimes I just want to just chill out and listen, listen to music. And I've been re-engaging some of the bands that I listened to in my younger, younger times and putting them on my phone listening to them. And in my, my younger days of a Christian, I would sing along to them and I'd enjoy them and i think, yeah, this is because I liked the music. And now I'm scratching my head going, I, I have to skip that song. <laughs> I don't even want this on my phone. I've got to delete it. I, I don't like what they're talking about. I don't like what they're singing about. I, I, my, I have, God's done a work in me so much so that, yes, I like the band and, yes, the music is good, but no thanks. I don't need that in my life. I, can re, I, I don't need to fill my heart with that. I can, I can chuck it out. And that's what the sanctifying work of God is doing in me. I might think I'm just a grumpy old man, but no, that's the work of... <laughs> God in my life. So a saved life lived out in the kingdom is a life devoted to Christ. It is a life devoted to his beauty, to his truth, to his goodness, to his power at work living amongst us. You see, if we have a saved life, Without that ongoing work, we have a substitute for what God wants for us. He has created us for purpose. He has created us to grow. He has created us to respond and to be transformed into Christ's likeness. Both Peter and Paul talk about this. Peter says, therefore, rid yourself of all terrible punk music. No, of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. That's what we described at the very front of this. What is the human problem? It's right there. That's what comes out of the human heart. So rid yourself of that and instead, like newborn babies, <laughs> crave, spewer, up, oh, spewer, <laughs> spewing. <laughs> That's what newborn babies do. (laughs) Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. My prayer is that you grow up in your salvation, that you don't just see Jesus as someone who's won you a ticket into heaven, who has just come and saved your soul and now you're right with God and now I can just go on sinning so grace can abound. No, run the race with perseverance marked out for you because you have tasted that the Lord is good. You've you've felt it. You've experienced it. He's done this original first work in you. It's good. He is for you. That passage from Romans where he says... um, you know, he has, he has reconciled us. You know, he's done the hard work when we were our worst. How much more is he going to love us when we're at our best? So grow up in your salvation. You've tested, tasted that the Lord is good. And, of course, from Philippians, very famously, therefore, dear friends, continue to work out your salvation. That word working out doesn't mean like a maths problem to try and just, you know, make sense of it. And it it means do it in a way to bring it to completion. 
Keep working at it in order so that it bears fruit. Work out, have a fruitful salvation with fear and trembling. For it is not your own works, it is not your own doing that does this, friends. It is God, it is Jesus who is alive in you by the power of his spirit that works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purpose. God has got an amazing purpose for your life. God wants to use you in his kingdom as saved citizens in his kingdom. And it is our joy to be open to being transformed, for God to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, how about that part of your life? How about your thoughts there? Is your heart right in that situation? How about your relationship with that person? Is it good? That's all his continuing salific work in us as he is alive and at work in us. I want to invite the, uh, the music team up. As we were driving here, Joe um, said to me, you know, when it comes to the sanctifying work of Christ in our lives, there's, there's the notion of submission there's a notion of surrender in order because he doesn't just come and wrestle us and force us into stuff. But there is a coming to him humbling, saying, I submit, Lord, to your lordship. I surrender my heart to you to do something in me, to do a work in me that only you can do. Because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've struggled. And I continue to struggle and I've just got to come now, Lord, and just lay it at your feet. I surrender to you. And I wanted us to have some time this morning for us to do that, to submit to his lordship, to surrender every part of our lives, not just our soul, to surrender our minds, to surrender what we think to be true, that we'd align that with his truth, that we'd surrender our bodies and most importantly that we'd surrender our heart where all of this strife and problem derive itself from. Lord, do a work in me that only you can do. So as we sing this song that I requested, it is an old song but it is such a beautiful song. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that your desire is not to just save us and just leave us in that place, but you bring us into your kingdom. You change us, you transform us, you grow us. You deal with all of the problems of our lives. The answer is Jesus in every situation. And so, Lord, as we stand here, we come from all sorts of walks of life. We come from all sorts of situations. We come from all sorts of anxieties, confusion, trouble, Pain. And Lord, we 
come to you and we surrender it to you and say, Lord, have your way in me. Sanctify me, make me holy. Deal with this ongoing sin. Deal with this pain. Deal with this malicious thought. Deal with these habits, these actions that I'm living out. Lord, I don't want to just live a, a, a saved soul life that just waits around. I want this life right now to count. I want this life to matter. I want to be transformed into your likeness, Lord Jesus. So come have your way in me. Look at my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Search me, O Lord. Reveal it. May it come to the surface. And Lord, may you do a work in us this morning. So as we, as we stand and as we sing, I encourage you that you would submit, that you would surrender this morning. Because Jesus is here and he wants to do a work in you. He wants to transform your life. He wants to see you more and more in the image of his son, Jesus. So as we sing, would you open your heart? And if you're really bold, would you come forward to the cross? There'll be people here to pray for you and ask for the Lord to just do what only he can do in your life. Let's open up ourselves now. Let's spend, spend a good amount of time allowing the Spirit to minister to us. this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is what he has done for us, friends. Have I just, I feel like there's some people here who are really struggling with a certain area of their life. That like me, you, you question and think, am I really saved if I keep doing this stuff? I 
keep this thing going. I want to pray for you that Jesus would break that this morning, that he would do a work in your heart right now by the power of the Spirit. So if that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for the redemption, for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you that you have saved us. But Lord, now in this moment, we acknowledge that we don't just live at the cross, but you have caused us to live resurrected lives in the power of the resurrection, that there is power in the name of Jesus. And in that power, we say to each and every area that is is under attack, that is under bondage, that is being held down, that keeps rearing its ugly head, in the name of Jesus, we say, be gone. We say, have freedom. Find life. That that part of our lives would be aligned to the image of Christ, who is all loving, who is beautiful, who is gracious, who was good. And so we declare that goodness. We declare Jesus over that area. And we ask, Lord, that you have your way, that you break that chain, that you do a work and that you transform that life right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let's sing this song again. And if you want to, there's an opportunity. If you want to come out the front, if you feel like you've got a word for someone, feel free to speak that to that person in private. If you want to just come down the front and pray, we're just going to sing through that song one more time and then we're going to end our time. I just want to give, give time for you to respond, to submit, to surrender your life to Christ this morning. I, um, English is not my first language, English is my second language, so I, um, even though I grew up in a sort of fairly sort of God-centric Christian sort of house, um, most of what I grew up sort of biblically hearing was uh, the Bible in a different language, so I often end up looking up uh, things in the Bible in another language to be able to help me understand it. I think Sam's um, mentioned Philippians 2 and in the translation that I guess I naturally tend to in another language, it talks about um, it talks about the, the phrase uh, outwork your faith, I think is. I think in, uh, in my translation it talks about taking your faith uh, to a head. It's, the, it's this kind of phrase of reaching a, a point with your faith. Uh, 
and um, I guess we, yeah, we often, that, that sort of work out your salvation is really about um, taking charge of what the, you know, the, this ticket that you get or this, this idea that you didn't earn it, you can't really earn this, this ticket. There are certain tickets you can't get and um, they're only, they can only be given. And uh, once you have it, it's then on you to take it to a head, to take it to a point. Um, so why don't you join me in prayer as we close. God, having received our ticket and knowing our destination, pray that we don't forget the transforming power that comes through the growing and through the journey. The fulfilment of living our life caught up in the things of God and being in step with the Spirit, aligning not just spiritually but with our minds, with our hearts and our strength by surrendering our thoughts, desires and energies to you. Amen. All right, so we're going to close there. There's always time, there's always an opportunity still to come down and spend some time here uh, if you want to spend if you want to receive prayer one-on-one the prayer room's also open as well uh, we encourage you to hang around stay for a chat stay for prayer stay for a catch-up stay for a coffee and otherwise go into your weeks in peace the front will stay open so yeah there's, there's still an opportunity to come down and uh, just linger in this space as well all right go into your weeks in peace thank you Thank you.